This is Attention to One on Beyond the Airwaves and the Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It's Wednesday night here at Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project. Yep, it's hump day. You know what that means? We're all the way downhill for the rest of the week, (laughs) which is a good thing. Unless you're living in an area being threatened by severe weather. Now, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> anyway, oh, tonight my indeed. Yeah, anyway, tonight it's attention to one, and our topic tonight is going to be reboots and remakes. I don't know what the hell is going on. Everything we see has to get remade into something else. Some things have been successful, while most really have not. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Stream. I'm currently joined on the line by... Red Ranger Tim, good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. We also have our Asian magician who just joined in. Good evening to you, my dear. Hey, hello, everybody. I will... Yay, you made it. I will it. be calling in on Direct Connect as soon as my computer boots up all the way. Oh. Uh, that's fine. That's cool. And we oh. also have Ashley in the chat room. Hi, yeah. Ashley. Hey. Hey, I like... All right. Nice little... Uh, I uh, light show outside my window. Ooh, you be careful. You be careful. I'm on my phone, Jan. Show. I'm. I know, but yeah. still. <sighs> never mind. Well, number one, I have I have a surge protector on my computer. Number two, I'm talking to everybody on my phone, which does not go through that. So. Okay. Okay. After all, the world has gotten cordless. <laughs> I'm all, I have all, I have all my cordless phones. By the way, I should tell everybody this right now. Tomorrow night, I've got a bit of a severe weather threat again, and this time it's from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. You know what that means? Oh, no sleep. And the possibility oh, that my weather radio could go off during the show. Okay? And if you got to well, bail, you got to bail. Your life is more important than... You gotta right. go, go, and then Jan and I right. will keep things going until you can rejoin us. Right. Well, the good news is this. You know, like I said, I, I'll have WSFA on. I can look at polygons because look what happened a few weeks back, right? You know, right. I was getting mm-hmm. the, the warnings, but they were in a county and it was moving away. So that was okay. But, you know, I just have to be on alert. I know oh, parts, of the, parts of the parts of the planes tonight. Yeah, I'm going to get it tomorrow night, and then some parts of the East Coast get it Friday. So it's like, ugh. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the topic at hand here. Um, you know, we've you know, you know over the course of the past maybe what ten plus years, probably longer than that, we've seen so many reboots, remakes. And you know revivals. Oh, shit in between. Yeah, reboots, remakes, revivals, and then I mean it's TV, movies, music, even comic books. Yep. Hmm. But you know what? I don't mind a reboot. This is just me. I don't mind a reboot. If, um, as long as they stick with the original format. Mm-hmm. Okay, it would. I'm just using the magician as an example. Okay. It's like they would re. Uh, they took the magician and made and then reversed the roles of Cosmo and Ace and made Xena a very large mastiff instead of a panther. Yeah. That would make sense. No, 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 no. You you pick a good point. Because I'll tell you this. I know the only. You know how how sometimes you get a movie based on a TV show? I'd say 9 out of 10, it fails all the time. But there has been one exception The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. The one with Tom Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. It stayed truly original. That's why it became a big hit. But not everything else seems to work. Yeah. yeah. So. But hey, what about the 
reboot they did for Hawaii Five O. You said that well, was pretty good. Yeah, that one has been good because, one, they kept it in Hawaii. Thank God. Because it wouldn't make sense if Hawaii Five-0 took place in Butte, Montana. <laughs> Montana Five-0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but, you know, I mean, look at it this way. Hawaii Five-0 is heading into Season 10 next year, this coming fall. That means it's only, it'll be just two seasons away from matching the original. Because the original well, you want to know 12 something years. That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right, well, anyway, I did some looking up, and I found some interesting articles here, so... I'm going to post them in the chat. Excuse me for being overly tired. I'll forgive you. It happens. Anyway, uh, I will tell you, this story is from 2017, so not everything is here. So, here's what's going on. What's driving the resurgence of reboots, remakes, and revivals in TV and film? And other things, too. All right. Reboots, remakes, and revivals are not a new thing, but they appear to be enjoying a resurgence in the worlds of film and television. From the X-Files and Roseanne to Star Wars and Beauty and the Beast, fans are seeing an increasing number of familiar faces and franchises on both the big and small screen. So what's driving the uptick? ABC News spoke to film and TV experts in both media to find out. Are there more remakes than ever before, or are they just being advertised more? Well, the answer for TV seems somewhat clear. Movies are a little bit more nebulous. The ever-growing presence of reboots and remakes in the film is a mix of branding, safety-conscious studios, and quality work based on older ideas but with new faces. Let's see. Intellectual Property 101. First off, it's important to define what's a remake, a reboot, and a revival. A remake is an older storyline with fresher faces, like Magnificent Seven from 2016. A reboot can have familiar characters, but in a new storyline, like Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. A revival is mainly for TV and brings back the main cast of a show for a new run years after its original, like X-Files and Will and Grace, for example. What is that noise? I'm playing World of Warcraft. Okay. Right, anyway, it's also important to know and understand exactly what is at the heart of all this, intellectual property. Intellectual property, or IP, is any storyline, franchise, or character that a studio or production company owns, often familiar from years ago. IP can also be scripts and adaptations of books, something successful that can be adapted into a film or TV show. Risk aversion has really paid off, and studios and production companies have noticed this, said Walt Hickey, I love the name, Walt Hickey, a pop culture expert at 538. I'm sorry, that name is making me laugh. Reminds me of you. Yeah. Anyway, recently the industry has seen a solid stream of success born out of rebooting or upgrading content from the past. This is a risk-averse strategy. You bank on content where people already have a sense of the characters, they have a sense of what the plot is, what the story is. On on this mitigation of risk, Deadline's film editor, Anita Bush, agrees with Hickey. They already know these brands, and these combinations have worked on one generation, and if written proper, if written, if written properly, <laughs> will work again. Bush oh ABC my. News. <laughs> it's why movie sequels really began. Tried and true, and lessens the risk, as these companies are very risk averse, and with millions of dollars being spent. Hickey points out that the studios are asking something of people to see a movie, time and money. According to Box Office Mojo, the average price of a movie ticket in the U.S. over the past decade has increased from $6.88 to $8.84, an almost 30% jump. Um, I can add to that. Uh, the, the, let's see, I'll do it this way. The AMC charges $5.39 for a movie, which is not bad at all, especially in the afternoon. The Chantilly, on the other hand, They'll charge like ten to twelve dollars a ticket. It's like, uh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take the discount. Let's see. You're also asking them for two hours of their life. That ask isn't easy, he said. They found that ask is marginally easier when you say, Hey, remember that thing you like? This new project incorporates some elements in that thing you like. 
Aside from familiarity, few things are needed to make rebooted IP critically or financially successful. Big name actors, a new take on the work, or just a fun nostalgic experience like Jurassic World. You can take the great success of 1987 and reboot it, but you have to do a good job of it, he said. You can buy an opening weekend. You can spend enough money on advertising to have a crazy opening weekend, but you can't buy a second weekend. A new way of branding. Are there really more reboots and remakes today in TV and film? Hickey said yes and no, adding that overall, while new takes on old ideas are more prevalent, studios are also happier now to recast a part and call it a reboot. The advertising of such a thing is more prominent than it was in the past. Before Daniel Craig's James Bond, 007 wasn't rebooted. The producers just recast the actor. Ditto for Val Kilmer and George Clooney as Batman. How many different Batman do we have in the 90s, Hickey asked. Just that we are willing now to advertise something as a reboot doesn't mean we've never made reboots before. Let's see. Uh, People are worried about spending millions on a movie that does not already have a dedicated audience, he added. Baywatch is an example of a fundamental reboot. It's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson, currently the highest paid actor in the world. He's a nationally compelling man. He's one chunk of this movie. The other chunk is selling Baywatch. There's a lot of different people. There's a lot of different reasons people show up to movies, but you want to maximize the reasons people go to your movie. Bush said that IP can combine not just different swaths of fans, depending on the stars in the story, but also different age groups. If it works on a younger demo, you have the best of both worlds, she said, and as it's already proven itself with what's now an older generation. So you then get the wide berth of demographics in your audience. Not bad, but I've seen, I'll tell you, there's some really bad ones. Let's see, TV revivals. As with films, TV networks are also using old IP to sell shows just with a few differences. The current trend on TV isn't just taking a story and recasting its star or taking a successful book and adapting it into a movie. The most recent trend is the revival, bringing back a cast of people, uh, bringing back a cast people know and love for a new run. Jason Lynch, Adweek's TV guru, thinks the concept of reusing a storyline or a character is not new, but bringing back a whole group of people for a new season is. With so much TV right now, it'll be easier to break through if it is based on a property or a brand audiences are familiar with, he said. A year or two ago, the bigger trend was to turn a bunch of movies into TV shows. You had Limitless and Minority Report. Those weren't quite as successful, which is true. These revivals are different from what fans previously saw with one-off reunions. These are full seasons now, with what, which is what both audiences and networks prefer, Lynch said. This was really spurred by the success of X-Files in the 2016 season, he added. That show was the number three entertainment show in the 18- to 49-year-old demographic that advertisers care most about. What Fox was able to do in that case was not only bring back fans to the original show when it was on the air, but there had been a new group of fans... That sounds like somebody playing Tomb Blast. Let's see. Oh, it's just an advert for it. Sorry. Oh. I okay. I had the volume cranked up all the way. Ah. Anyway, uh, what Fox was able to do in that case was not only bring back fans of the original show when it was on the air, but there had been a new group of fans who had just discovered the old episodes on Netflix. He added that advertisers love the fact that some of the heavy hit lifting is done for you already. You don't need to sell audiences on what Will and Grace is, even if you didn't watch the show. You're aware it existed and have a general idea of what it's about. This kind of success is the sweet spot for a TV network, getting different generations to watch a new show with the help of streaming or video on demand. Lynch said an attempt at a hybrid revival reboot that didn't work in contrast was Heroes a few years back. The show brought back only a few original cast members and it didn't last too long because of that. Yeah, it was Heroes Reborn only lasted one season. The lesson there is you need to bring everybody back or almost everybody, he said. He said, only time will tell how Twin Peaks and Will and Grace do when they return and he's less optimistic about Roseanne and American Idol. Given that fans can't exactly binge watch the sitcom starring Roseanne Barr, there's some episodes on TV land but they aren't pervasive, and the original judges from Idol may not be coming back. Simon Cowell said he won't be on board. Of course, you know, this. like I said, this article is from 2017, so this was before the Roseanne debacle and um, the return of American Idol. So, anyway, next up is these don't always work. Just because there are more reboots, revivals, and remakes doesn't mean they always work. Take King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword, which opened... And made only $34 million domestically, but cost $175 million to make. 
You kind of know the rule. You kind of know. You kind of know the tales of King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. For this movie, they were asking fans to opt into something new. Hickey said, for whatever reason, it didn't click. He said Baywatch can also fit into that category, having grossed only $27 million domestically after opening in the in the first week. Last year, you would think it was a crazy good year for reboots, Hickey said, citing movies like The Jungle Book, which did bananas at the box office, $966 million worldwide. You would think they all did well wrong. There was Fantastic Four. You don't remember the bad movies that came out because they were bad. Because look what happened. I remember that weekend. Fantastic Four opened miserably. The movie that beat it was straight out of Compton. <laughs> and oh, I, and I remember the th- Yeah. And remember the 2000s trend of rebooting film franchises with origin stories which included famous characters like James Bond and Batman? Hickey said that it, he, Hickey said that is beyond out of fashion now. It was one of the issues critics had with Batman versus Superman back in 2016, which I agree with. I think there's a reason why they are not going to pen Spider-Man Homecoming with Uncle Ben's death. Comic books are a long-running tale, essentially. There have been hundreds of Spider-Man adventures, and in only one of them, Uncle Ben died, he said. It's iconic, don't get me wrong, but we know how this story goes down, he said. And, you know, I love the way they did it in Spider-Man Homecoming. All he had to do was tell, all Peter had to do was tell the story in one sentence. That's it. Uncle Ben died. Uncle Ben's dead. Yeah. Well, actually, no, that wasn't the sentence. Like, you know, you know, I had that spider bite. That's it. That's all he had to say. Bingo. Mm. Sorry, my mouth's drying out. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah, but you know the thing is, everybody knows the story, and I like the fact that he just he he, knew, he only needed one sentence, and you can concentrate on the rest of the movie. That was the that was what made that movie really good. So, what will this mean when it comes to theaters and movies? There are a couple ways of approaching it. The big summer blockbusters are going to be one or two things: a vehicle for an actor or director, or they are based off intellectual property. Hickey said. While that's long time been the case, it hasn't always been that way. The idea is that Steven Spielberg, when he was still somewhat of a nobody, could make Jaws and own the summer blockbuster. That's a thing of the past. Think about a think about a big breakout hit like 2017's Get Out, which was directed by Jordan Peele and came out in February for a reason. The winner for Best Picture at the 2017 Oscars, Moonlight, came out in November, away from the summer rush, and it still banked only $27 million domestically. What do truly original projects with no famous ties do? If you want original stuff in the cinema, wait till the fall. If you want it in the summer, buy a book. Go to HBO. You're not going to find it in the cinema, Hickey said. As for TV, it's still about finding your way in an unknown world, said Dominic Patton, the chief TV critic for Deadline. But that's not limited to revivals. There's a hybrid emerging that he thinks is a good thing and a way some writers are using IP to create something new. In shows like The Leftovers and American Gods, the showrunners have gone beyond the source books which Patton thinks is creating some brilliant work. The the later seasons of The Leftovers are a triumph, he said, some of the best TV I've seen in years. And American Gods is an amazing tapestry of mythology, drama, and some of the most eye-popping aesthetics you'll see anywhere. Game of Thrones has also gone past the George R.R. Martin source books for its final seasons, since he hasn't released his new volume yet. I don't know if he has by this point, because like I said, this is a 2017 article. With studios and networks owning so much IP, expect to see more revivals and nostalgic content, for better or worse. While networks have originality in mind, Patton said, the list of creative, one-of-a-kind pilots that never got picked up is never-ending. And believe me, there's plenty. Everyone is trying to find a way to break through the clutter, he said. Originality is a great mantra that almost nobody believes in. You therefore find people taking strong elements of other properties, other shows, other movies, and finding a way to bring them back to life. And that's the end of the article. But it just blows my mind that, you know, there's so many... And I will tell you right now, especially when you like make movies based off of TV shows, the Fugitive, the Fugitive, and I'll admit the Equalizer, the first one, did very well because the thing is they didn't turn them into stupid comedies. Because look what happened: Starsky and Hutch, stupid comedy; Chips, stupid comedy; The Brady Bunch, they turned that into something stupid. 
right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, if um if they want to do a reboot, that's fine. Just stick with the original fucking format. Mhm. Yeah, and it's like I I will all, I will never forget this. When um uh, I saw a 30 second commercial for Dragon Ball Evolution in 2009. I said, I am not even a fan of Dragon Ball, and the Dragon Ball fans are definitely not going to like this. I'm not either. And it turns out they did, and it turns out they didn't. It was like one of the worst things anybody could have done. (laughs) So, let's see, another example... I hate to use this example, Janet, the 2004 Thunderbirds movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked it. It was a good way to get out of the heat for a couple hours. I I saw it two times in the theater. Unfortunately, it didn't do very well because, one, Universal did not market it very well. And number two, it basically compared to Spy Kids. Jonathan Frakes didn't do his homework. No, I think it's more like the writers didn't do their homework. Because Jerry Anderson was dead set against it to begin with. So. And then. Excuse me. And then, of course, came 2015 when Jim had a movie. Oh, I, and that didn't. And I remember that did not set well with you at all. <laughs> no, it did not. That was probably. I'm glad I never did see that movie. It's like, how dare you turn Jerrica into some sort of runaway teen? You don't. And you have Erica Raymond instead of Eric Raymond. It's like, no. The whole thing is wrong. Now, now, I would not mind her being a teenager. Okay. But yeah. if they'd have just, if they had tried a little bit, you know, I can see, like, maybe updating Synergy a little bit. I can understand that. That's fine. You know, there's some things that need to be updated. Well, that's okay. But when it starts going, to, when it starts getting way off track, it's like, uh-uh, no, thank you. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And now I'm hearing my echo, echo, echo. <laughs> Echo. <coughs> I'll say, and there's Ice Shine. Hey, Ice Shine, aka JJ. Hello, lady. Let's see. Oh, let's see. Here's a good one. <laughs> Okay, now, I should tell you, this was, like, published five years ago. This was published back in, I think it's 2014, but it kind of makes sense. Is Hollywood out of ideas? Films worse and best remakes and reboots. <laughs> and I like, the, I love this, I love this first line right here. Sick of the endless remakes? <laughs> Expect Lethal Weapon 9, the nurse is stealing my pills any time now. <laughs> oh, my. And it's probably not going to happen, but that's too, that's just too funny to pass up. That's one way to segue into the... Yeah, it's like, you know, I think it's almost like, you know, there's been so many fans of, um, what, Dance Dance Revolution. There have been so many different versions. Like, I wrote one story, it's like they have Dance Dance Revolution 36 or something like that. It was in one of your fanfics. Yeah. It was in one of your magician fanfics. Yeah. <laughs> like this Dance Dance Revolution 37 or something like that. Anyway, um, all right. Okay, now this this basically has to do with the Ghostbusters remake. Well, it's official. The movie no one wanted a sequel to was getting a sequel or a remake or a reboot. Or maybe it's a requel. Yes, that's a word. Anyway, the movie is Ghostbusters. It's like, uh, well, get ready because there's another Ghostbusters on the way, courtesy of Paul Feig. He directed Bridesmaids and a bunch of other stuff, including the short-lived classic Freaks and Geeks on TV. 
He tweeted the announcement right there. Uh, so it looks like the movie is going to be a reboot or maybe a requel. That's where the continuity of the preceding film is maintained, but the cast is largely replaced. In any event, this brings up the following question. Does anybody want another Ghostbusters? The first one was a classic. The second was decent, but not great. In any case, it looked like it would be the last one since nobody involved seemed to want to make another, especially Bill Murray. But Dan Aykroyd has been peddling a new Ghostbusters script for years, and while the film is finally getting made, it's with a different script. The all-woman angle could be just what the series needs to refresh itself. Plus, with the success of the female-centric comedies like The Heat and Bridesmaids, both directed by Feig, maybe this could be just what people want these days. Personally, the writer was not that interested in the reboot of Ghostbusters. It's not even that old, and it was recently... And it was basically a perfect little sci-fi comedy, so he doesn't see the need. More than that, I simply haven't seen the need for all these Hollywood reboots, remakes, requels, and whatnot. Whatever happened to a good old sequel? Hell, even a prequel. That said, let's see. Uh, there are some remakes that Hollywood has cranked out with, of its lubricated with the blood of the masses movies machine. And uh, let's see. Here's some examples. You got Friday the 13th. Uh, first one was 1980. The reboot came in 2009. So, 29 years later. Yep. Now here's where it's here's where it gets crazy. Here's the gross in the budget. The 1980 version. The budget was a mere five hundred thousand dollars. The gross thirty nine million seven hundred fifty four thousand six hundred one. That is excellent. Now, the 2009 yep. version had a $19 million budget, and it grossed over $65 million in 2009. That's not bad. It did it did well enough to beat the budget, but not as good as... Let's see. The 1980 version absolutely made a fortune relative to its budget, while the 20, 2009 did pretty good, but not great. Let's see. Oh, try this one. Psycho, 1960 and 1998. I didn't even know they had one in 1998. So, let's see the gross and the let's see the gross and the budget for this one. 1960 budget 806,947 dollars. Gross 32 million. 1998 cost 60 million dollars to make. Only made 21.5 million. Don't mess with the classics, people. Yeah. And here's a classic one for you that got ruined. Total Recall. Oh, I like the one with Schwarzenegger the best. Yeah. Although so anyway, I here's what ha- counting the bodies when they reached 30. And he was still <laughs> shooting. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, here's the gross and budget for this one. Uh, the 1990 version, $65 million budget, $119 million gross. 2012. It cost $125 million to make, only made $58.9 million. Not good. Stick with the originals. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, well, try this. Conan the Barbarian. Yes, there was a remake in 2012 with, um, with uh, Guess Who taking over from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Aquaman, Jason Momoa. He was He-Man? Jeez. No, he was Conan. He was Conan. Conan. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Conan That's all right. Barbarian. Yep. Anyway, in 1982, a $16 million budget grossed $39.5 million. The 2012 cost $90 million to make, only did $21.3 million. Well, they got their money back, just not much profit. No, I mean, no. The 1982 did... The 2012 did not. Okay. All right. Now this one, you this one can be interesting. Uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, 1968 and 2001, and this was before the um. I forgot that that they that one in the recent times with Andy Serkis playing Caesar. Anyway, um. The 2001, let's see, in 1968, $5.8 million budget, $32.6 million gross. 2001 version, it cost $100 million to make, and they got over with $180 million. 
So I was like, really? Okay, now here's the perfect example of what could be a very unnecessary reboot. Spider-Man between 2002 and 2012. So, basically... um. Spider-Man 3 wrapped up just five years earlier in 2007, so it's like, do we need another one? <sighs> so, here's the happen. All right, uh, the 2002 version, the budget, $139 million. The gross, $403.7 million. Not bad. The 2012 cost $230 million to make. Barely beat it with $262 million. You know what? It all boils down to one thing. All of these remakes and reboots. Mm-hmm. Greed. Yep. Oh, here's one you wouldn't think about. The Blob. There was actually a version in 1986. Okay. But... A lot of people consider the 1986 version better because the 58 was a cheesy B-movie. In 1986, it was like a um, wall-to-wall melting massacre of an entire town by a gigantic blob that's fast and deadly. <laughs> so, here's what happened. The 1958 version, $700,000 budget made $3 million. 1986, $15 million to make, $40.4 million gross. Not bad. Yeah, and you know what? What? There was two versions of another movie Mm -hmm. that is in the same genre as The Blob. The Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they had The Thing, and then they had The Thing with Kurt Russell. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know the gross on that. And then another one, too, The Fly. Yep, oh, yeah, which is the very next thing here. 1986 and the original was 1950-something or other. Uh, let's see, they got 56, they have 58 and 88. But, um... That's close that's, enough. Yeah, you're close enough. That's fine. But anyway, uh, it, it, let's see, the 1958, the budget was a mere $240,000 and made $4 million dollars. 1988, $19 million and $8 million, and it made only $8,247,000. But Ouch, boy, that had to hurt. Yeah. But of course, you remember who played the fly in 1988, right? Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum, yeah. Oh, and they say the grossest part of the movie was when he spit on his food to dissolve it so he could eat it. Yeah. I don't care how cheesy the effects were Those type of movies were not my cup of tea Yeah, I mean I, I mean I mean, it's like You know, I'm not a fan of us I've never been a fan of horror movies But you know, a lot of people like it And that's okay, I have no problem Bob with was it. one of them Mm-hmm yeah, I'm. You see, I don't have a problem with people liking things I don't like. So it's like, hey, it's what they like. I they have what they like. I'll take what I like too. <laughs> so, but it's 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 like, and here's another category we don't usually think about: music. You know, like songs getting redone. Yeah, I call they call them covers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some I can give you an example of a song that Liz didn't like. You okay. remember the song Hooked on a Feeling? Yes. By Blue Swede? Yeah, Blue Swede, yeah. Liz hated that song. Mm-hmm. And I could see why, since I've been listening to it on that damn commercial for Discovery Channel. Uh, and it's also featured in Guardians of the Galaxy. Well... I, I make an exception when it's in a movie like good movie like that, but she yeah. liked the original version by Neil Diamond better. Ah, Neil Diamond did it originally, and Blue Blue Swede followed it. Yeah. Ooga chaka, ooga 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 chaka. Mhm. 
I cannot stand that. It's I like, oh, I remember. On that one. Yeah, well, I'll give you a song that I still like the original more than the remake by far. Uh, in the 80s, there was, a song called, there was a song called It's My Life by Talk Talk. I, I've always loved that version. But then oh, yeah. uh, I think... I think what was it either No Doubt or Gwen Stefani? They had they came up with a new version. I absolutely hated it. Sounds like my tastes in music too. Yeah, I absolutely but, hated it. Now don't get me wrong. Some of the um, some of the covers are better than the originals on some songs. That's true. Not all mm-hmm. of them. Not all of them. No. Because I have a lot of remakes in my music collection. Mm-hmm. It's like there's another song. There's another song where I kind of have a tie between it. Bonnie Tyler has Total Eclipse of the Heart. I forgot who did the the dance re the dance the dance version of it, but um, I like that version too. Okay. I'm holding. I'm holding. I'm holding. <laughs> Yeah, next thing, yeah, but seriously. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah, there's two versions. Let me see if I can remember. Let's see. Total Eclipse. All right. There was a group called Only Men Allowed that did it after Bonnie Tyler. Well, there was like, yeah, but there was a woman who did it too. Maybe. Hold I can on. only remember who did it. It was Nikki French. That's it. Yeah, Nikki French has Nikki French has a version of Total Eclipse of the Heart, and it, it became a worldwide hit too because it 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 was more faster paced. The lyrics didn't change, thankfully. Well, so. <sighs> but. And let's see. Um, here's another. Here's another room we don't think about. Comics. Just think yeah. about it. how many times. How many times have Marvel and DC rebooted everything? Right. Yeah. They have done it. They've done it a lot in the past couple decades. Yeah. Oh, one comic that I wish they would have left alone. Although I'm being morbidly drawn to. To it is Archie uh-huh. Afterlife. Riverdale yeah. being turned into a city of zombies. Uh huh. And all because Sabrina tried to help Jughead by trying to save Hot Dog. Yeah. But. But look anyway. what's happening. River, look at what's happening. Riverdale, which is based on the Archie comic books, it ain't no comedy by far. It is one of CW's biggest hits. Yeah, it depends on the individual taste of the person. Yeah, that's true. Me, I've never really had an interest in it, but you know, it's you know, it's pain, it's very obvious. It's a huge hit. It's like me and the and the. Um... Uh, Archie Afterlife mm-hmm. Com- comic books free on Prime if you're interested okay but yeah they, they, they and they've got Sabrina over at Netflix but it ain't like the it's not like that series Melissa Joan Hart was a part of <coughs> not by a long shot <laughs> Because Sabrina's always been, yeah, usually, you know, a good witch and so forth. But they made this Sabrina a little, but it's it's a big hit. And let's see, let's see, there've been cartoon remakes. Uh, She-Ra. I actually watched the entire first season on Netflix. I felt like I actually felt like I got more in just thirteen episodes than I did in the filmation version. I know it sounds crazy, but I was no, only giving it a not chance. Crazy. It's not crazy. Yeah, I was willing to give it a chance because it's like, well, that's a, it's, I want to see what this fresh take looks like. Because one thing I definitely like about the Netflix version, you can easily recognize the characters. They all look different. I mean, I mean, what is it? Glimmer is, no, how should I say this? 
she's not the she's not the very thin girl she was in the filmation version. Did they have Orko in the original? Uh, no, well, Orko they, they in the Madame remake Ran- reboot. I mean. Oh no! They had Madame Raz in the original. Madame Raz here shows up, I think, just one or two times, and she does not look anything like the Madame Raz from the original, which in a way is good for me personally, because it's nice to see that everybody looks so different. It's like they're not as recognizable. I mean, they're they're more easily recognizable here because no offense to the filmation fans, but you have to look at. But think about this: if you turn that cartoon totally black and white, you almost can't tell which character is which because everyone almost looks exactly the same. Yeah, that's what turns it off for me. Yeah, but you see, but you know, you know, I know I have to keep in mind. Filmation did not have the biggest budget in the world either. They recycled a lot of their things. I mean, hell, it's easy to spot from, I think, Batman all the way through Brave Star. <laughs> especially when that in your, when especially the in your face punch. It's so I have seen that in just about every tune, every Filmation tune possible. <laughs> The in-your-face punch? Yep, the in-your-face punch. Oh. Let me see if, yeah, let me see if I can find that on YouTube. I'm sure they've got it somewhere. <laughs> Let's see. Filmation in-your-face punch. <laughs> Let's see. No, it looks like they don't quite have it, but, I mean, it's one of the most common things. that You have the, you have the, you have the guy... Falling back and then boom, it's like it, the, it go, the fist goes right in the camera and you see that, you know, that flash right there. <laughs> I swear, that's that. it makes it funny at times to see that. <laughs> well, you also, you got to take into consideration the era yeah. that some of the um, things were made in. That's true. The 60s, I mean, it was probably from the 60s to the 80s, but somehow Filmation managed to survive by using almost the almost the same set of animation for the whole, for the, like the, for 20-something years, which is absolutely amazing. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And look what, and look what else was a big success. Voltron Legendary Defender. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the original Voltron. I started. I I actually saw that first movie on Netflix at about two thirty in the morning because it's like I couldn't sleep. I just I was like, you know what? This isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah, I like I like I liked what little bit I saw of it. Mhm. Yeah, of course the show officially ended. And by the way, I should tell you, at least three of the voice actors are coming to Dragon Con. Oh really? Any ones I'm familiar with? Um, I don't think so. Let me double check because I had shared it like a couple days ago. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Kimberly Brooks, she was the voice of Princess Allura in the new version, and I'll tell you right now, she she does a pretty damn good job. And she's been heard on talking tunes with Rob Paulson. Uh, Josh, what's Keaton, her name? So I could go and listen. Kimberly, Kimberly Brooks. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then Josh Keaton, he voiced Shiro on the show. And of course he did that uh he did the um Butch casting the Sundance Kid scene with Rob Paulson and talking to him. Oh, he's the one that so. hollered, Oh shit. Actually yep. no, that wasn't him. That was Rob doing the Oh shit bit. <laughs> okay, so oh, he was the one that was telling him to jump. Yeah. Yeah, Rob did the, oh, shit! <laughs> I was wondering where we got that from. Yeah, no, that, yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, if you, if you go to YouTube, they have the talking, they have those talking tunes clips on there. Of course, unfortunately, it's censored. But if you, um, I subscribe to the original podcast, which is uncensored, 
So. <laughs> oh, you know what? What? I go to Geek and Sundry on Twitch. Mm-hmm. They they put the full they put a few of them on at a time, but they have the Talking Tunes full hour on um, Twitch. On Geek and on the Twitch on Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel, right? Since Project right. Alpha ended. So. I wish it hadn't. Yeah, but you know things happen. I'm not gonna fault them for it. Let's see. Yeah. Then there's AJ Lucasio, except I don't know what his character's name was. I'll have to check. Hold on. AJ Lucasio Voltron. Not Voron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Is Voltron a Voron? Yep. Ah. Oh my AJ indeed. is the voice of Lotor. He's the voice of Lotor. Okay. Oh, I've got to sweep up this confetti off the damn floor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to switch over to speaker so I can do that. Okay. Can you hear me? Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> well, I'd rather hold oh my... Oh, my. Hey, I'd rather <laughs> hold my peace than hold my peas. Good point. Oh, my. Tim got it. Yeah. Oh I did, dear. too. <laughs> oh, my. Let's see. Oh, let's see. Uh, speaking of which, you know, Star, you know, Star Wars is heading to heading towards the end of its saga with this trilogy. But guess what? Um, guess who's gonna be coming to Dragon Con? BB-8. Oh, the little squeaky BB-8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the two puppeteers behind everybody's favorite ball of metal will be joining them. It's like that's cool. What? Who? Uh, Dave Chapman and Brian Herring. They are the puppeteers behind BB-8. Okay. I thought BB-8 was remote control. Mm, part of partially, yeah, but it's also puppetry in motion, I guess. Let's see. Oh, here's something fun. Um, let's see. I don't know, Tim. I don't. Tim, do you like a Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm actually trying to collect those movies right now. I only have uh, the first one. I've seen uh, bits and pieces of, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, it'll hit me in a minute. It'll hit me in a minute. Okay. Freddy's Dead, the next, the next Nightmare. Yeah. Well, it just Freddy's happens dead, the actor. I that part of it. Yeah, well, here's the fun part. The actor himself, Robert England, is going to be a Dragon Con, too. Oh, oh I definitely need to get his autograph. <laughs> he is iconic. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, at the time, he was, here's the fun part. Just before he became Freddy Krueger, he was on the V. He was on that TV, the miniseries and the TV show V. And people remember him most as Freddy Krueger, but that's not the only role he's ever played. Exactly. He and believe played a it or whole not, bunch of roles. Yeah, and believe it or not, he he did a guest role. I think I think it was at the last episode. The guest he did a guest role on an episode of Manimal. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Good guy or bad guy? Bad guy. Oh. <laughs> There. Got all the paper up off the floor. I'm back. Welcome back. Uh, But you know what? It's kind of neat to to recognize either voice actors or Mm -hmm. physical actors in different different roles. Like I told Mm -hmm. I told my friend Scott. And you told me this this, morning, this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Sylvester McCoy is going to be a guest on Thunderbirds Go when it starts back up next month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that out today. Um, they just announced the uh, guest cast for for Thunderbirds Go, and one of them is, in fact, the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. Hey, do you have a link to that um, cast list? Yeah, give me a second. Um, okay, where the heck did I... Oh, I know where I put it. I think it was at the U.S. of Thunderbirds. 
Yeah, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a third. Give me a 33. I'm kidding. (laughs) Hike? Hut, hut, hut. Okay. All right. I'm going to put this link in here. It's straight out of the Thunderbirds website, so. Oh, I like this woman. Hold on. Excuse me a minute. Okay. Come on. Good night. See you in the morning. That 65-year-old woman in Florida who clobbered the shit out of a guy. Yeah. To try to attack that. her. I'm going to save that one for tomorrow. I'm going to save that one for tomorrow. Oh, God. That's okay. She used to play baseball. She used to play softball. <laughs> and let's just say the guy who was trying to attack her picked the wrong woman to go after. I love it when I love it when an elderly see some people think they can take advantage of all elderly people. Don't bet on it. <laughs> okay, well anyway. This is the guest cast for um for the upcoming episodes, which I'm happy to say is coming back next month. Uh, we got Alan Ford from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels returning as light fingered Fred. <laughs> Okay. Now, if you're familiar with the show, Absolutely Fabulous, Jennifer Saunders, who's been on there, I think, from the very beginning, she's playing a character named Helen Shelby. Uh, let's see. Uh, Larry Lamb will be coming in as Gomez, and he's actually a friend from Parker's Criminal Past. <laughs> let's see. Then we have Marcel McCullough from Footballers Wise as Robbie, Navin Chowdhury from Star Wars Last Jedi as Cameron, Nina Sosanya from Love Actually and W1A as Asher. So yeah, here's the good one. Sylvester McCoy as as Zeth as a thrill the wizard. Okay. All right. It's a wacky. No, actually, here's the description of it: a wacky and dramatic inventor of holographic game park cavern quests, a real life experience based on one of Alan Tracy's favorite video games. And she comes to life. <laughs> yep. He comes well, it's a real. It was it's a it's a real life experience. A ho, it's a holographic game park. So yeah, and then we got a couple pirates coming back. So <laughs> uh, that wouldn't by any chance be. Hey, will our friendly neighborhood chaos crew be back? Yeah, they'll be back. Oh, I hope that. The male half of that team ain't such a fucking wuss. Yeah. Remember how bad no he was kidding. in the snow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. But, yeah, I mean, let's face it. We got reboots and re- remakes off the wazoo. It's like, it looks like Hollywood really is running out of original ideas. It's like, can we please, it's like, can somebody please come up with something maybe a little bit more original? But, you know, like I said, there have been some remotes that have actually worked. I really, I was, I really wish Thundercats, the 2011 version, I was really hoping there'd be a second season. But, you know, things just fall as they may. I love the store. I love the 2011 you know, reboot because you know they had Lion-O, Lion-O having to learn to grow up quickly. Um, the, uh, my favorite bit of nostalgia: the fact Larry Kenny was in there voicing Lion-O's dad. <laughs> so it's like Lion-O in the '80s voiced Lion-O's dad in 2011. <laughs> Because I'll admit, when I first saw this, I, I was a little skeptical. But then I heard Larry Kenny's voice. It's like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. I got a little bit of another picture quiz for you. Okay. What are these? And I asked the same question of the person who found the, found them. What are okay. those? Well, let me take a look and I'll find out. First, I thought they were miniature penis clams, but they aren't. They look like pieces of mushroom or something. They are. 
Oh. You get ten points. They are called mora- morals. Ah. Oh. And the moral of this story is... <laughs> Morals are good. Moral of this story is, but I'm tough. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, can't resist that one. Yeah, I mean, look at what's happening. Uh, Thunderbirds are go, you know, what I was just talking about. It's basically a almost a reboot of the original Thunderbirds. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm in a fan of both. I like them both. So I, I like both Voltron. You know I like both Thundercats. I like both Shearers. I like them both. I and have room for both. Some of the shows that you call reboots, mm-hmm. they are reboots and they are reimaginings, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica is another show. Yeah. And amazingly, that one on the Sci Fi channel lasted longer than the original. The original only lasted like a season. Yep. This one lasted, I think, five. So. But, you know, it, it, you know, like I said, there's some in some cases reboots work, and a lot of cases though they don't. So. Yeah, it's like I. Ooh, that looks good. Um, as long I don't mind reboots. Mm-hmm. As long as they stick with the original format. Uh, Or at least the source material, anyway. Right. I mean, like I said, in the case of Mask, you know, there'd be vehicle updates. That I can understand. That'd be no big deal. Because let's face it, I don't even think a Nissan 300ZX even exists anymore. (laughs) That's what Vanessa Warfield drove. (laughs) But, um, you know, I can, I mean, vehicle updates are fine. People, characters being updated, that'd be fine too. Like I said, when you turn them all into juvenile delinquents and you turn Matt Tracker into a juvenile delinquent, even though he was black, it's like, ah, you just turned me off right there. I'm not going to get it. All right. So, so, I mean, I never did, thank goodness. And let's see. We are running out of time. We're down to like two minutes and 15 seconds. So, uh, tomorrow night... We are going to uh, have our Thursday free-for-all. Now, I should, I'm should i going to give you one quick warning. I do have a chance of severe weather tomorrow night, and it's supposed to start on 9 p.m. So if my weather radio should go off during the show, I do apologize well in advance. Because they are saying this could be a little bit rougher tomorrow night. So um, so keep that in mind. And, there's the, and I will tell you right now, if we have to postpone the show, because that's always a chance, too, I will give everybody the heads up. All right? All right. Sounds because like a that's winner. a chance. Yeah, that could be a chance too. And then, of course, Friday, no matter what happens, we're still going to have the All Out Review Show and Naughty Mad Libs. So bring all your naughties because we'll be ready and waiting. I got plenty of those. Oh, yeah. I've got to move right. my vocabulary a little. Right. <laughs> well, anyway. I want you to please remember to do all these things. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is BTA underscore TIP. And follow us on our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, because let's face it, life happens, there are three ways you can catch up. Number one is the Stitcher.com app, available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Number two, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, number three, Oh, God, what was number three? Oh, yeah, look for us on iTunes. Do a search in the podcast for Beyond the Airways, and you'll find many of our episodes there. I apologize for my brain lapse. I'm overly tired. So, <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease before I really lose my mind. Uh, have a great night. Sleep well. Stay safe, especially in those severe weather areas tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow for the Thursday free-for-all.
All right, that's all for tonight. Have a great night, and remember... You, I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! Shut up! You got that. I am the vengeance. I am the knight. I am... And finally... This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Shut up! Don't! Alright, that's all for tonight. See you tomorrow. Maybe. Night, y'all. Oh, my.